It is Thursday, September 17th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who wants to open up a combination disco planetarium and call it Bruno Mars. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. J.P. Shedrick. What in the world is going on? Welcome into Jaguars Happy Hour. On this Thursday, it's week two. The Jags head to Nashville this week. J.P. Shadrick with you. Jeff Lagerman is here with us. And Tony Baselli coming up at 4.30. We've got a Jags-Titans preview to get to today. Of course, when you play the Titans, the Jaguars' defense has to figure out how to handle Derrick Henry. Public enemy number one this week. And the Jags' offense, what kind of wrinkles does Jay Gruden have up his sleeve in week two we saw a few of those little wrinkles we didn't have any idea what it was going to look like anyway we'll see what he's added from week one to week two this week we'll uh, also preview thursday night football the battle of ohio coming up tonight jeff lagerman with us we're at our home studios today with thunder booming all around both of our houses here logs but uh, here we go week two i know another division game i'm fired up for sunday already yeah, me too. I mean, this is one of those games I think that uh, you always look forward to because it is a, a kind of a black and blue affair. You know, you, at least it has been in the past where the Jaguars and the Titans both kind of had prided themselves in that they were physical football teams playing good defense and running the football. So I think the Jaguars are still trying to establish their identity for this year. But the Tennessee Titans, there's no mistaking their identity. They're the exact same team that we've watched for the last couple of years. And they've doubled down. They've paid the running back. So uh, guess what? That's what they're going to be for a little while. Let's get to the uh, the latest news today. The Jags are back on the practice field, of course, on Thursday, continuing the preparation for this Sunday's game. But a handful of guys were not out there again today. Tyler Davis, the rookie tight end, uh, has not practiced yet. He has not practiced this week with a knee issue. Adam Gotsis had a scheduled day off. Um, he was on the field yesterday. James O'Shaughnessy, same as last week, scheduled day off today. Josh Allen did not practice yesterday. He was limited today with a calf issue. He had some cramps uh, and such during the game last week. And then Eifert, Hayden, and Linder all were full today after not practicing with scheduled days off yesterday. So uh, that's the latest uh, injury report there. Good to see Josh Allen back at it, though. I mean, and Doug Marone... Uh, of course, Logs yesterday said, hey, you know, he's out today. We're just being cautionary. Uh, he'll be back on the field tomorrow. So uh, that's pr- that's really good news, obviously, that you want Josh Allen out there, especially this week. Yeah, I, I don't look in, in the game. You could tell that it was cramps. I mean, for, for a hot minute, I was kind of worried that he was, was hurt. And cramps are something that you can cover, recover from. But the reality is sometimes when you have cramps, it almost feels like a slight muscle pull even days after the cramps have already subsided and you've rehydrated and everything else. Trust me, I've been there. Uh, but, uh, but with Josh, uh, he's a marvelous player. I thought he played pretty well. I was glad that he was able to come back in that game after he had the cramps. Uh, and I thought he was pretty effective in this game. And I think, I think this is a week that I think he can really shine. Uh, and not to jump too far ahead, but. The right tackle for the Tennessee Titans, JP, is no Taylor Lewan. <laughs> and uh, Taylor Lewan okay. is a marvelous player. He's the left tackle. Uh, but they've got a new starting right tackle because Conklin has moved on. And I think Josh Allen 
can essentially pull his chair up to the table and have a little bit of a feast on the right tackle. Oh, a feast day for, for Josh Allen. I like the, uh, the preview coming up of that. We'll get more on the defensive side of this game uh, coming up in a little bit. And, you know, the, the Jags offense has uh, a little bit to show this week, too. You know, before, before we get to all that, and we, I'm interested to ask Doug Marone about this a little bit later on the Doug Marone Show at 5 o'clock today. It's the first road trip of the season. The schedule leading up to Saturday and the travel day is the same, obviously. But then all of a sudden, logs, things get a little bit different when you're uh, leaving at different times. You're probably at the same hotel you've been at, but it's a totally different feel. You can't leave there. And then uh, getting in, logistics of the stadium is different. So it's the first away from Jacksonville test for this Jags football team. And, and with a young group, I'm curious how they handle that. Yeah, to, to give people an idea of what a typical travel Saturday used to be like for an NFL team like the Jaguars, they would have a practice in the morning, which it's really not much of a practice. It's more of a walkthrough, meetings, some treatment. Uh, and then at that point, most of the players are done fairly early. And then you may or may not have time to run home to pack your bag and you put on nice clothes, you get on an airplane, okay, you fly into a city, you've got buses, you get to the hotel, you know, four or five o'clock-ish, and, uh, and you've got some time. And, and with that time, when you first get there, you might visit family, you might visit friends, you might go have dinner, and then you come back for a team meeting and uh, some type of uh, positional meeting, defensive or offensive breakout meetings. And then you have a team snack where at that point you might visit with family again that may be staying in the hotel. And then you have a bed check. And then you wake up, you have a team meal, and then it's time to play football at 1 o'clock. Well, this year, totally different. And they're going to do essentially a lot of the things that they would do at the hotel. They're going to be doing all in Jacksonville. And a lot of teams are like this. So they'll be leaving later. So when they get to the hotel... They're essentially quarantined. They don't want people visiting friends or family or anything of that nature to, to be put at risk for contracting COVID the night before a game. So uh, it's a later travel schedule. There's no visitation kind of things going on. And you get a meal, you go back to your room. And if you do have any kind of meetings, it's actually virtually, again, in a hotel on the road. So then you wake up on Sunday morning and it's time to play football. So very different. Uh, the traveling party, the Jaguars, has shrunk as the league requirement has, has mandated, which essentially any non-essential personnel, which includes JP, me, and you, and other people associated with the football team, you know, our radio broadcast is going to originate from Jacksonville. We're getting all of these feeds in directly from the, the broadcast associates in Nashville to where we can call a game and, uh, and looking forward to doing it in that fashion. But it just goes to show you the extent that the league has gone to shrink the traveling party so that it, it kind of, I don't want to say uncomplicates things, but at least it makes things easier to manage for a traveling football team. So sponsors and marketing and all the other people that typically would go along, uh, they're not making it anymore. So it's, it's kind no of going back to the old days, JP. Uh, back in the, in the late 80s and the early 90s, and when I traveled, we used to be able to fit... Everybody that traveled on a 727, which if you think about a 727 size seating chart compared to, what is it, like a, a DC-10 or whatever it is, or a 747 that teams travel with now, completely different. 
Completely different. We'll hear on the Public's Tailgate show Sunday from Hamza Ahmad, the director of football operations, who is also the team travel coordinator. That's part of his role there. Uh, and, and we'll break down exactly what we just talked about, a little more detail of, of the changes this year. Now let's get to uh, logs, the offense, and let's hear from, uh, let's hear about Gardner Minshew. You know, he spread the ball out, right? Ten different receivers made catches last week against the Colts. 19 of 20 passing. Not much downfield, though. 19 uh, completions, right, Logs? And the average yardage of each completion was 9.1 yards. And that includes the yards after catch on the James Robinson catch and run, the Chenault touchdown. Uh, you know, he, they kind of took what the, the Colts gave them. Do you expect a little bit more of a, a push down the field this week at some point? Well, I, th I think they had the push. I, I just think that for whatever reason, the ball wasn't pushed down the field. Was, was it there at times and maybe the quarterback didn't have time to see it? Was it maybe there and then the quarterback left the pocket maybe a little bit too early and didn't quite have enough patience to stay in there to let things develop? I think it's a combination of things. But look, I assure you, Jay Gruden, wants the ball to be pushed down the field. When I say pushed down the field, I'm not saying that you're throwing bombs every other play, but you're certainly working something more than essentially check down things of that nature. You know, so if you were to watch the Jaguars game and not have access to the stats whatsoever, and somebody asked me at the end of the game or asked anybody at the end of the game, said, hey, how did Gardner Minshew play? I played pretty good. You know, I had a solid outing, you know, uh, didn't do anything crazy, protected the football, you know, was able to get it to some guys. And then if you didn't watch the game and then looked at the stat sheet, your reaction would have been, what a phenomenal game. Holy cow. One incompletion. He threw three touchdowns. And, uh, and oh, I heard somebody told me that his incompletion was a drop. That's amazing. What a great game. You know, so I mean, there's kind of two different things or two different ways to look at it. You know, but the, but the reality is, JP, I, I thought it was a really good start for Gardner Minshew. And I think that, that Jay Gruden would probably like to see his quarterback maybe at times push it down the field. But what a marvelous start. I mean, it, it's a really good start. And I think that that relationship is going to get better because you've got to remember about the offensive coordinator and the quarterback relationship that develops. You know, Jay Gruden has to learn to understand what Minshew likes, what he can do well. And then Minshew also has to be able to understand, hey, this is what my coach likes. This is what he's expecting out of me on these plays. Hey, this is why he's telling me to maybe look in this direction instead of that direction. So it, it's a total learning curve, and I think it's only going to get better. Let's hear from the offensive coordinator, Jay Gruden. Yes, it was a good day at the office statistically for Gardner Minshew in terms of completion percentage, but... Jay Gruden's not going to let the quarterback's head get that big. We're coaches. We're not very nice. We're going to find something to be critical about. You know, that's just the way it is. We have to. We can't tell him he was perfect, that otherwise he'll get a big head. So we got to keep him calm and keep him uh, on the right track. Just continue to learn, continue to study his footwork and his, his progressions and his eyes. Uh, and then obviously in the pocket when things break down, the decisions that he makes, you know, the sack that he took there on uh, third down and two, uh, could have knocked us out of field goal range. You know, there's some decisions there that we'd like to have back, but uh, we're learning, and uh, we're learning together. I'm learning more about him, what he is as a quarterback, as a person, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and, and that's going to be a, 
a process that's going to continue to take place. But uh, as far as his first game with me and, and uh, me getting to know him, I'm very impressed with the way he played. All right, so Jay Gruden, you know, they're not going to let him get too big of a head. That's that's the way it goes. As you said, it's, a, it's an evolving relationship as the season continues. Yeah, I think that also when he's talking about, okay, we're always going to look for something to maybe criticize and say that he can do better. I mean, look, that's, that's the job of a coach. You know, and I think there was a couple plays in the game, and, and I made mention of this in, in the radio broadcast, that Gardner Minshew left the pocket when he didn't need to. He didn't trust it. And so, I mean, and I, and I think that Gruden was referring to some of those things about with his feet in the pocket. You know, and there are times that Gardner Minshew, for whatever reason, sometimes will leave the pocket and then his eyes drop or his eyes don't stay down the field. And those were actually a couple instances where he could have pushed the ball down the field. If he had just trusted the pocket, kept his eyes down the field, then he could have made a, found a way to complete a ball down the field. But that, that's all part of the learning process. It's also part of learning to trust your offensive line. Whereas last year at times the offensive line didn't give him a whole lot of reason to trust them. I think this year is a whole new year and he's got to learn to trust his offensive line and his offensive line has to be able to earn that trust. So it's a little bit of an evolution here with the offense and new offensive coordinator and a new system. You know, everybody's got to have a little bit of room to grow and also have a little bit of room to make some mistakes and, and find a way to get better. Uh, evolution is much better when you're one and oh. Uh, you can you can build on some things a little more positively. <laughs> yeah, you think than <laughs> oh and one, <laughs> right? Uh, let's get one more offensive thought here. And and part of the attack last week on offense with, was Lavisca Chenault, the rookie wide receiver out of Colorado. Well, he he made three catches, had his first career touchdown, and on on all three of those catches logs, none of those times did he touch the ground. Remember, he ran over a guy on the sideline. He was gang-tackled and never was pushed down on another play, and then he scored the touchdown. And then, of course, he's lining up at Wildcat and running a bunch of things. Well, LaVisca, as we heard from uh, the wide receiver this week, is always up for a little something up Jay Gruden's sleeve. What's crazy is none of that stuff got put in, like the stuff I did um, this past Sunday, none of that stuff got put in to the, the week of. So, um I, I think they're just going day by day, and they're throwing opportunities at me. They're throwing obstacles at me to see how, how I respond to it. So, Well, he responded well last week, Logs, and if it continues on a pace like this, uh, we're in for some fun times with LaVisca Chenault. Well, I think, I think it allows an offensive coordinator to have a lot of creativity when you have a guy that can do so many different things, and, and LaVisca has that ability. And when he lines up as a running back and he carries the ball in a running back kind of play, he looks like a running back, right? I mean, this isn't like yep. a wide receiver who looks skittish when he gets into the pocket. I mean, he's a 220-pound man, which, by the way, that's as big as James Robinson, you know? So, yep. uh, so I, think, I think that Jay Gruden probably enjoys having that flexibility to be creative. And I, and I give Jay Gruden some credit. You know, the, the one touchdown play that was to uh, DJ Chark. We're actually going to be drawing this up tonight, JP, on Jaguars All Access. And I call it the Gruden effect. And Jay Gruden has been an incredibly well-respected offensive coordinator for many years, and then he got his opportunity as a head coach. And But the reality is, 
he's still a hot commodity as an offensive coordinator. And the play design that he had on the DJ Chark touchdown, it, it impressed the heck out of me because he had LaVisca coming across the formation in motion. And when he got to Jawan Taylor, he bubbled the motion out, which gave the impression of a quick screen. So you had the motion, the defensive backs thinking, okay, maybe a quick screen. And then DJ releases and, and, and almost directly attacks the cornerback. So now the cornerback has another reason to think, okay, it's a quick screen. And then Minshew has the pump. So there's three things there, if you're the defensive back, thinking quick screen. And DJ, the last second, and then at the pump, he just runs right past the defensive back. The safety can't get all the way over there. So LaVisca, even though there was no bio on him, so to speak, or game film on him in this respect, I thought it was a great play designed by the offensive coordinator and, and a guy that I think the Indianapolis Colts knew of and knew that he had a, a lot of different talents. So kudos to Gruden on that play on the design. Kudos to the quarterback for executing a pump and then delivering a quick strike to DJ Chark for, for the touchdown before the safety could come and play over there in that part, side of the end zone. So pretty cool stuff. And, and watching the film Sunday night and Monday, I was, uh, I was thoroughly impressed by the game that the offensive coordinator, Jay Gruden, called. Because, you know, in the first game out of the box with a, with a group of guys that you're not real familiar with and you think they can do this and you kind of think maybe they can do that, but you don't know. That's not an easy position to be in, and I thought he did a good job. Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, Logs, when they're showing all this stuff with Chenault in different positions and Wildcat, that just puts another thing on the list for defensive coordinators to have to worry about the rest of this season. So he has planted the seed early, which is always good news. Let's come back in a moment. We've got plenty more ahead on the Titans' defense. We haven't touched on those guys yet. They have a new addition on that side of the ball that we've seen in this division before. We'll come back in a moment, though, and it's Derrick Henry time. Yes, how do the Jaguars slow down the big play machine for the Tennessee Titans? The Jags have launched an organization-wide commitment to voter education, organized by players and coaches, and designed to encourage fans to get in the game with a call for civic engagement. The Jags are calling for fans in Florida to register to vote by the October 5th deadline. That's coming up in a few weeks. Visit jaguars.com slash vote as a resource for voter registration and key deadlines. We're off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com. If something's been hurting, aching, or bothering you, don't ignore it any longer. It's time to take care of your health again. It's time to make an appointment with a Baptist Health primary care doctor or specialist. Call 904-202-4U to schedule a virtual visit or see a doctor in person at a Baptist Health location. The time for better health is here. Call 904-202-4YOU or visit GetBetterJacks.com. At ViStar, we believe in better, better convenience, so members can bank any way they want, whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. 
We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Committed to the team, committed to the mission. At Navy Mutual, we're committed to providing high quality life insurance to members of the military and their families. So our policies have no fine print and no military service restrictions. We don't work on commission. We're nonprofit, so we pass the savings along to our members. Because at Navy Mutual, our highest commitment is to you. Visit NavyMutual.org. Navy Mutual, ensuring those who serve. Slot right, blue 42, hot, hot. A great quarterback is a true leader with a work ethic that never wavers and a desire to win that is second to none. We know a truck like that. Ford F-Series, America's best-selling truck 43 years straight. With impressive towing and payload, Ford F-150 makes tough jobs look easy. Visit your local Ford dealer for great offers on F-150, official truck of the NFL. Based on 1977 to 2019 calendar year total sales. Jaguars fans, let's tackle social injustice together on game days with Selfies for Change. Visit TIAABank.com slash Selfies for Change to take a virtual selfie with a Jaguars player and unlock a $5 donation to the Jaguars Foundation to help fight social injustice. Share your photo on Instagram or Twitter using hashtag Selfies for Change so more fans can be part of the movement. Join us on game days at TIAABank.com slash Selfies for Change. TIAA Bank is the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The, the biggest challenge, you know, that we're talking about our guys is we have to win the physical battle. I, I think Coach Brable does a great job at developing his team that they are physically going to pound you for 60 minutes. And that's got to be the mindset we have, that we have to come back and counter that and battle them for a 60 minutes. You know, once again, hey, let's let's keep this thing close and let's find a way to win it late. Todd Wash, Jaguars defensive coordinator today. Got to play physical against this Titans football team. Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman, Tony Baselli coming up. In about eight minutes or so, uh, well, Logs, Derrick Henry is priority number one most weeks when he played the Tennessee Titans, and it's his, it's his. Obviously, he's going to be physical and do all that, but when he's really dangerous, as we have seen firsthand over and over and over again, it's when he gets outside against the little guys, the corners and the the nickel corners and the safeties. Uh, when he gets out there then all hell can break loose. He can break off some big ones. His average yardage on touchdowns against the Jags, he scored 10 times in his career, uh, nine of those on the ground. The average distance of touchdowns against the Jags, 34.3 yards logs. That includes a 66-yard reception in 2017 and then a 99-54-74 yard touchdown run. Big playability for Derrick Henry. Yeah, he, he's a great one, and uh, there's no doubt that, you know, the, the, the key to stopping Tennessee, part one is stopping Derrick Henry, part two is stopping Derrick Henry, part three is stopping <laughs> Derrick Henry, then, then you can kind of get to some of the other guys, and I, and I say that kind of jokingly, but I mean, he's, he's that good of a player, he, he has had great success against this Jaguars football team, and Tennessee has 
done, as you just described, JP, they did a great job against the Jaguars of finding a way to get Derrick Henry to the perimeter of the defense. And I thought the Denver Broncos did a great job on Monday night football for the most part of, of kind of keeping him in. And I think that's what you need to do. But, you know, when you keep him in, if you let him get ahead of steam and get going downhill, that's where he's hard to stop. Because, you know, a lot of people think, well, he's a big man. You can take him low. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, he does a great job, and he doesn't play the game like a big, tall man. He's got a great stiff arm, and he's great in traffic. He's got nice little subtle moves. He's got great speed. So he's got a lot of talent. The, the one thing that I will say that concerns me about Tennessee, I think that they have evolved with Tannehill at quarterback, and, they, and, they, and it gives them, I don't want to say a scary, different aspect, but it's definitely something to be, you know, to be respectful of, and that's the passing game. Corey Davis is a high pick. You know, last year they ended up getting A.J. Brown, who's one heck of a football player, and he's got a lot of size at wide receiver. And I think that they have, in my opinion, one of the brightest up-and-coming tight ends in all of football in Jonu Smith. This guy is fast. He is a, a tough guy, and I, I almost used a bad word there. He's a tough guy in the, in the running game. He's willing to block. And they have a very good tight end group overall. So this is a big challenge about Derrick Henry, but it's not only Derrick Henry. They have the ability to have more balance, I think, than in many years in Tennessee. And it's going to be a big challenge for a defense that didn't force a football team in the Colts last week to punt one time, JP. That's right. So we forget about that in last week's game, by the way. How many times do you win a game when the opposition does not punt? The last time I think that happened, the, the Patriots put 50 on this team a few years ago, the Jags, when they didn't punt. They scored on every possession. It's very rare. But uh, obviously, to your yeah, point let me, let me add about just one all those thing playmakers real quick, outside. JP. Yes. Yes. Let me, let me just add one thing real quick. You know, with, with all that being said about Derrick Henry and, and Tannehill, and he's got a good tight end group and all that kind of stuff, I don't think the offensive line, and I said this at the beginning, I don't think this offensive line is what it used to be. You know, yes, Taylor Lewan at left tackle is a really good football player. He got hurt a little bit, though, on Monday night, and he had to come out for a little bit. They had a backup in. Eventually, he came back in. He, was, uh, he missed practice today with an illness. You know, so I, and he, when he finished the game, his right knee, he was still limping around a little bit. So that's something I think to keep an eye on, even though they don't list them on the injury report. Some teams, they do that, and they can do that with offensive linemen because they're going to play anyway. Roger Saffold, the left guard, been around a long time, and I think he's a pretty good football player. But then once you get past that left side, I don't think they're, they're great. I don't think this is an offensive line that is anywhere as near as good as Indianapolis's. I think the center is, is stiff. I think the right guard is sometimes too aggressive. And I think the right tackle is not very athletic. So I think this is, uh, even though it's a, you respect them and you respect the running game and Derrick Henry, and they can get after you a little bit if they can get downhill blocking. But I don't think it's a very, it's not a great group. And I think it's a group that the Jaguars should be able to have more success against this week as compared to last week against the Colts. Doug Marone earlier this week, Logs, said that if you took off all the numbers and names on the jerseys from last week's game, you would probably say 
That guy was the best on the field last week, and that guy was Miles Jack. He had 11 tackles in the game, second most on the team. Looked free a lot of times. He had one missed tackle early, but then really settled in, it felt like, the rest of the day. Is that the Miles Jack we can expect week to week, including this week against Tennessee? Well, I hope so. But, you know, here's the deal. I mean, he's got, he's got to prove it. You know, I think the one thing that last year when we watched Miles play when he was playing, we, we, were, we were saying that, you know, that wasn't very, very consistent. You know, one week good, the next week not good. So, um, but I, I thought that was, that was arguably one of the best games that Miles Jack played without any impact, game-changing type plays. I mean, he was downhill. He was decisive. He played fast. He had that one missed tackle early, JP. But other than that, I mean, it was A-plus grades every play. And he was the big reason why they had the, the key stop there on fourth and like one and a half at the, what, three, four-yard line where that was the big yeah. momentum-changing play. And, and if it wasn't for him, then Avery's not able to get off the double team and end up making that tackle. So uh, I thought it was a tremendous job by him. I think Joe Schobert uh, needs to pick his game up a little bit, but it's understandable given that uh, this is uh, the first time that he's ever been in this defense. Some would argue that, well, that was Miles' first experience ever playing the Will linebacker, but he's got experience in this defense, and I'm sure his comfort level is a little bit higher. So, uh, But a, a job well done by Miles, and, and as I said just before, the challenge for Miles Jack now is consistency. He's shown that he can do it. Now he needs to show that he can do it again. Let's come back. We'll have a chance uh, next uh, this coming Sunday, in fact, against the Tennessee Titans in Nashville at Nissan Stadium. Uh, Tony Baselli joins us after this timeout, and game day is just around the corner on Thursday night football next week. A week from tonight, the Jags will play in week three. And remember, though, that protecting the team starts with you. Stay home if you don't feel well and practice social distancing. And remember, masks are required at TIAA Bank Field this season. Visit jaguars.com slash stadium and learn more. Tony Baselli, when we come back, it's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com. DreamFinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 40 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. DreamFinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the high 100s and a wide selection of move-in-ready homes. Quality, value, customization, that's the DreamFinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at DreamFindersHomes.com. DreamFinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to change without notice equal housing opportunity the best thing about working at fair and farrah is all of the employees we all work together it's extremely enjoyable to come to work every day there's a, um, a common cause or goal no matter what your job is we're all there for the client we are dedicated to our clients 100 percent we do everything it takes to maximize the value of their claims fair and fair is really the farrah family when they choose us they choose a family to fight for them and to protect them and to make sure that they're in a good place and that they have somebody on their side farrah and farrah 
here for you, here for good. Jacksonville. In Florida, bicyclists have the same rights and responsibilities as everyone else on the road. So when you ride, follow the rules. Always wear a helmet and use lights on your bike. And drivers, watch for cyclists. Give them space to ride. And don't forget when making that right on red, look to your right first to see if a cyclist is approaching in the bike lane. We all have a responsibility to keep ourselves and each other safe. Alert today, alive tomorrow. Because safety doesn't happen by accident. This message brought to you by the Florida Department of Transportation. At Tropical Smoothie Cafe, one taste and you're hitting refresh now, palm trees swaying now, letting loose now, busting a move now, cranking up the beats now, hands in the air now, feeling free now. You're on Tropic Time now. And right now at Tropical Smoothie Cafe, try our watermelon mojito and guava margarita smoothies. And you're tasting fruity now, sipping sunshine now, toasting summer now. You're on Tropic Time now at Tropical Smoothie Cafe. I'm Chantel Baker, fiance of DJ Chark. My fiance is always prepared with a game day plan and so am I. I'm always looking for easy ways to save time and Publix helps me tackle everything from pre-game prep to post-game cleanup with prices that are never out of bounds. This week at Publix, assorted varieties of downy 40 to 77 ounce fabric enhancers are on sale for $5.99. Available at Publix where shopping is a pleasure. you learn things along the way and you kind of add those kind of to the tool bag um but you know you can only win one game a week that's what we're focused on uh you know i think when you start looking at things holistically like as you know year by year you kind of get lost in the mix i think most importantly it's you know one one game at a time one play at a time uh is what's going to serve you best Gardner Minshew, Jaguars quarterback yesterday, and welcome back, Jaguars happy hour. The uh, Jags and the Titans coming up this Sunday at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. J.P. Shadrick from the home studio, Jeff Lagerman at his home studio, and Tony Baselli joins us now. Uh, where are you, Tony, right now? I'm in Cleveland, Ohio, getting ready for the Thursday night game. Battle of Ohio tonight. Bengals-Browns. Yeah. We'll get to that game. Battle of uh, two teams that um, aren't that good. <laughs> well, we need a little more excitement once the on-air light no, comes it, on tonight, Tony. That'd be well, great. No, it, it, I'm actually excited because I'll tell you what is who is going to be good is Joe Burrow. Watching the tape of him against the uh, against the Chargers, the kid yeah. does not have a bunch a great offensive line in front of him, but he is poised and is not afraid to stand tall in the pocket and is a better athlete than anyone gives him chance for uh credit for and actually had a chance to win that game and uh so i'm excited to see him and and i joke about the browns because you know everyone talks about them being so good every year if they i think if they actually called the game right they should win easy tonight because they have two of the best backs and maybe nick chubb might be the best back in the nfl that no one knows about i mean he is so good and they got a good offensive line so It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Just two 0-1 teams early in the season, but a lot of football to go. So I'm excited, JP. Somebody's O's got to go, if you will, tonight. Um, let's okay. we'll get to that game coming up a little bit later. I'm just telling you, you could you could use that later or not, whatever. That's up to you. Um, or not, Tony. Or not, right? How do you 
contain slash tackle slash slow down Derrick Henry? Well, you got to stop him before he gets going. Um, that's the first thing. If he gets any momentum uh, and he gets a yard or two into that line of scrimmage and he's going north and south, he is a beast. Um, so you got to have good gap control. You got to make him, um, I would you typically say make him bounce it, but then he's bouncing it outside to your corners. And uh, we haven't had the best, ta- uh, best uh, history of tackling him with our, uh, with our defensive back. So um, it's just, don't let him get going. Um, you better go low. If you go up high, you're not, you're going to bounce off of him. Uh, he's a really good get back. And I thought watching him last Monday night, um, he hasn't lost a step, that's for sure, and, and they are not afraid to give it to him over and over and over again. Yeah, Logs, it's going to be one of those where they could hand it off to him 25 times. They could, um, you know, but the, we were talking about it, Tony, earlier, and Logs, you can jump in here too. You suck in too much and try to contain him. All of a sudden, they have the weapons and the ability to go over the top with some guys outside and the tight end, too, Logs. That you, Logs loves Janu Smith, Tony. Um, you you want to give us a little more on Janu there, there Logs, and, and your love for that tight end? He should love him. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a marvelous player. He's, he's, uh, and, I, and I think Tennessee has done a great job with the tight end position overall. And uh, it's amazing how much better they've gotten, I think, at the, at the skill positions over the last couple of years. And the, the one area, though, Tony, that I, I don't I think they're I think they're good, but I think they've taken a step back is their offensive line. I think Taylor Lewan is still a, a really good football player. I think Saffold's a good football player, but the center, right guard, right tackle, I think they're, I think they're kind of average run of the mill linemen. Well, yeah, I mean, losing Conklin hurt. I, I mean, uh, both of you and I liked him for the role that he played there, which is a big kind of mauling, bruising right tackle. And, uh, oh, gosh, I'm trying to think. Their swing tackle, his name is escaping me right now, is now the starting right tackle. And if you Dennis think back Kelly. to – Yep. If you think about the last year, the one big play we had against them uh, where we got the turnover is when Luan got hurt and he came in and, and Jan beat him for a, a strip sack. Um that turned the, you know, kind of turned the tide and got a turnover there. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a downgrade, but I still think because they're, they're better Jeff with those weapons, um, that we outside, I think AJ Brown and, uh, and, uh, golly, my brain's not working. Number 84 for them, the other receiver, uh, uh, they got some weapons. Yeah. Corey Davis, they have some weapons outside that I think it makes them, I think they're a really good team. And they, they're just one of those teams that plays like their head coach, which is tough, nasty, never give up, going to punch you in the mouth, going to come after you, and you better be ready for it to play 60 minutes against these guys. Yeah, let me let me add in, too, the, the other guy that we really haven't mentioned here that, uh, if I remember correctly, he had a pretty good day against the Jaguars, Adam Humphreys. Uh, he has been a favorite target of Tannehill many times. He, he kind of reminds me a little bit of that Wes Welker, Danny Amendola kind of type of guy where uh, that, that security blanket for the quarterback, you know, and, and you can tell that Tannehill really likes him. Uh, let's flip around now, guys. The, the Titans defense has an addition this year. We've seen this guy a little bit, though not as much as we probably could have. He's had some injuries throughout his career, especially early. Jadavia and Clowney is now with Tennessee. 
Is it a general presence with him? What what really do they do with him on defense? Or does he make guys around him better or all of the above? Tony, what's your first initial thought looking at Clowney? Yeah, I, I've only watched the TV copy. I haven't watched the uh, all 22 yet of the game. Um, getting ready for this game. So, uh, but overall, he's just disruptive. He's not a great pass rusher, you know, um, but he's just one of those guys who messes things up. He's just physical. He's big. He he's good at the point of attack. Um, he's gonna close the pocket, four sacks for other guys. Um, I think it's a great addition. Now, this defense is not gonna have a guy who's killed this team, Jarrell Casey, um, who's been a dominant force on the interior. Uh, so that's a good thing for the Jaguars. But Adam Clowney is another uh, is another disruptive disruptive player uh, on that side of the ball for the Titans. Yeah, the the one thing though that I think helps the Jaguars with from this aspect is that at least they have some experience with Clowney in the past and and some of the players have seen Clowney before they know how Mike Vrabel likes to play Clowney they've seen that before when Vrabel was in Houston and he had Clowney you know and the one thing too to remember about Clowney Tony mentioned that he's he's not a great pass rusher I mean if if Clowney had to just line up and play defensive end I don't he's not a double digit sack guy He's just a guy that just <laughs> causes havoc, but he's not a you know, like a dominant pass rusher or anything of that nature. But the one thing that he does do, he disrupts plays and he creates opportunities for everyone else. But along the way, sometimes he doesn't do it within the scheme of things. Sometimes he freelances. Sometimes he ends up in the same gap as another guy, which sometimes can hurt the defense. But, you know, look, you got to be willing... If you, if you have a clowny, you have to be willing to accept some of the missteps that he, that he takes while he's on the field because more times than not, he overcomes being in the wrong gap and comes back and makes a play. Or he ends up busting up a play completely even though he did the wrong thing. And, and I would love to know what the game plan is, what they teach him during the week because when you watch him on film, you sit there and you go, He's in the big gap. He's in the big gap of the defensive tackle. What is he doing? He's not supposed to be there. <laughs> you wonder if they just say to, you know, to Clowney during the week and, and they hand him a game plan and it's just a blank piece of paper and they say, go get him. <laughs> just go get him. Because <laughs> that's what he's best at. And he's a freaky athlete. Keep it simple, right, Tony? That. Yeah. Yeah, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Tell Mike. Just tell my kids when they play Little League Baseball before they went up to bat, I said, keep it simple, stupid. Um, the old kiss uh, <laughs> formula. Um, yeah, I mean, he, uh, Jeff described it perfectly. I mean, he's a guy that can really ruin, uh, can ruin things and mess up plays, but he's also going to get out of the gap and there's opportunities for big plays. And if you get a body on him and you play physical, um, I think you'll be fine. And I, I think it's a good matchup. I think we have two physical tackles and Jawan Taylor and Cam Robinson, and they just got to take the fight to him. I mean, that's the best way to handle a guy like Clowney. Yeah, and from right, watching guys, Tennessee's defense, yes. uh, JP, on Monday night, I didn't think they had anybody else that really showed. I mean, Byard's a really, really good football player and, and is a Pro Bowl-type type player. But, you know, the rest of the front, the front seven, you know, especially when Evans went out of that ball game when he threw the punch, uh, I think the only other guy that might have shown up a little bit was the other outside linebacker, the guy from Boston College, uh, Harold Landry. But uh, but other than them, I don't I don't see 
I know that they drafted Jeffrey Simmons pretty high. I think he's a good football player. Daquan Jones is a good football player. But I don't think that either one of those guys or anybody else scares an offensive coordinator with that Tennessee defense. Yeah, but Jeff, I do yeah. think Evans is a really good player at inside linebacker position. I think they did they did they, they were hurt when he got kicked out of that game. I and mean, they still won the game, but I think he's one of the better inside linebackers uh in the AFC. And uh, you mentioned Bayard there, the safety. He was an all-pro player, in fact, in, in 2017, a few years ago. Let's come back in a moment. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the kicking game. Yes, we were going to talk about kickers very briefly, very, very briefly. Uh, and some final thoughts about this game, and we'll preview Thursday night football. Tony Baselli has the call tonight on Westwood One Radio. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com. Headquartered right here in Jacksonville, the CSI Companies is one of the fastest-growing staffing firms in the nation. As a proud partner of your Jacksonville Jaguars, CSI knows how important it is to find the right people for your team. See why some of Jacksonville's top companies choose CSI for their staffing needs. Visit thecsicompanies.com or call 800-582-0828 today. That's 800-582-0828 for the CSI Companies. Dreamfinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 40 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. Dreamfinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the high 100s and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization, that's the Dreamfinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at dreamfindershomes.com. Dreamfinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to change without notice equal housing opportunity superior fence and rail knows about commercial fence services from automatic gates to security fence and railing superior fence and rails professional team delivers with great communication trained installers and quality products trust your next commercial project with a top rated fence company in jacksonville get off the fence and call superior fence and rail for your commercial project today at ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates. Saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Slot right, blue 42, hot, hot. A great quarterback is a true leader with a work ethic that never wavers and a desire to win that is second to none. We know a truck like that. Ford F-Series, America's best-selling truck 43 years straight. With impressive towing and payload, Ford F-150 makes tough jobs look easy. Visit your local Ford dealer for great offers on F-150, official truck of the NFL. 
Based on 1977 to 2019 calendar year total sales. fast hit him early uh basically just hit him as hard as you can before he takes off running is that easier said than done though it's easier said than done for sure uh but you know we have a good game plan up against it uh, this week so we're real confident on uh on um on him and the offensive line and uh, we play him twice every year so we're kind of used to that and uh we're just excited for this matchup uh again i feel like a lot of guys still you know are doubting us and our talent level on this team, in this roster, actually. And uh, it's an exciting week, and uh, I'm excited to play against him. Long, I think. Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman and Tony Baselli. Uh, it's good stuff. I mean, these guys do hear the noise outside. They know the challenge ahead this week with Henry and all that, and all the doubters and the haters, if you will, Tony. But... You know what? They've circled the wagons. They've got one win under the belt, and we're going to go up to Tennessee and just see what happens this week. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, you think you think these guys care what anyone else says? It's not. I mean, it doesn't affect you. I mean, if anything, it gives you a little chip on the shoulder, like you said. Um, but what the experts and the pundits and everyone, what you and I say, or anyone else does, I guess what I say matters. But what everyone else says does not matter <laughs> um, in the outcome of this game. Um, and I, it's, I got to tell you, you know, Josh Allen, sure, you know, a mature guy for a second-year player. I think he handles the questions. He's very thoughtful in his responses. Um, and he's right. Like, listen, everyone's doubting us. We're going to go out and play, and we'll, we'll see what happens. So um, everyone doubted them week one. Uh, no one thought they were going to week, win week one against Indy. They went out there and, and won a ball game. And nobody's given them a chance to go up to Tennessee, a place where historically, as a franchise, we haven't played well. And, uh, and it's a tough matchup, but I like the moxie of these guys. Um, we do have talent. It's just young talent. Yeah, and, and, I, and the one thing I think that I was most excited about seeing with this football team this past weekend, the beginning of the game was, was bad. I mean, it, it was one of those moments where you go, oh, no, is this going to be what this team looks like this year? And then they had an opportunity to change the momentum when Indianapolis went for it on fourth and short down inside the five-yard line, and then they were able to get a stop. You know, if, if you come away from this past game with anything, I mean, that, that to me shows that this team's got a little toughness and that this team's got a little, a little resiliency and that, look, if they, if they get a little bad happening to them, they're not going to fold their tents. And because, you know, we've seen young teams, and I won't say this young team, but we've seen young teams in the past around the league and in probably the case of the Jaguars to where if things don't go right early, things just kind of snowball in the wrong direction. And this team was able to pull itself up by its bootstraps, make a couple plays, and all of a sudden get right back into it. And so for me, the, the way that they dealt with the adversity early in this ball game, I think, spoke volumes. And you hope that that continues to kind of resonate for this football team throughout the rest of the season. It was a good sign, for sure. And, and, and Doug Marone kind of called it. He, he liked this team's ability that he thought to handle the adversity. And they did. They trailed four times in that game. And, 
Yes, uh, Tony, it has been a while since the Jags won in Nashville 2013 the last time. That was the Will Blackman play, the quadfecta logs with the sack fumble return touchdown with like two minutes to go to put him up two scores. That's, that was the last time the Jaguars won there. And all time in Nashville uh, since they moved there in 98 from Memphis uh, and then Houston before that. But from 98 Nashville on, the Jags have only won six times all time in Nashville. Tough place to play for sure. Now, one final thought here, and very quickly, a kicking thought. Um, Guskowski missed a bunch of field goals the other night. A couple field goals, had one blocked, missed an extra point, had the game winner at the end to redeem himself for now. That's a long walk back from Denver to Nashville. Good thing he made the last kick, Logs. Well, look, and he even said that I probably didn't deserve that opportunity at the end of the game, but he got it nonetheless. He, look, Guskowski's been a very successful kicker for many years. Holy cow, he was the one that replaced Adam Vinatieri in New England, and he lasted 14 years in New England. He was a teammate of Mike Vrabel, and Mike Vrabel said that he's committed to keeping Guskowski uh, and look at, and I'm sure that that's just going to last for this week, depending on how he plays this week. But uh, look, if, I'm, if I've got to make a bet, and I've got to make a bet on one team's kicker, punting game, or the others, I'm taking the Jaguars. And Guskowski, after those struggles like that, sometimes it's hard to get back and find your groove again. And so these games can be tight. And if it comes down to a tight football game, you know, maybe advantage Jaguars because they got the better kicking game. I think we should just have a field goal uh, contest. And the best, uh, whoever kicks the most field goals wins. I like our chances. <laughs> Like a shootout in soccer, except yeah. uh, we're hitting 40 yarders. Yeah, I like That's that. That's right. No, no, no. I'm 40. Like, Make it 50. Not? Lambo's a 50 guy. I like that idea. Um, I don't think many guys on on the uh, in the trenches might like that idea with kickers, but hey, we'll we'll uh, we'll go with it here. Um, obviously, we talked about kind of what kind of game we're going to have in, in Nashville on Sunday. We all think of physical kind of slugfest as it, it usually is against Tennessee, and it's a big matchup, of course, the Jags and the Titans coming up one o'clock Sunday at Nissan Stadium. No fans in the stands in Nashville. Uh, Tony, there are fans tonight in Cleveland, though, right? About 6,000 will be allowed for Thursday night football. You'll have the call on Westwood One. Yeah, 6,000. Dead on, uh, JP. It'll be weird. Uh, it is. It, I'll tell you, it, you go to different places. I mean, we live in Florida, and we kind of understand how Jacksonville's dealing with it. Uh, I mean, Cleveland at a hotel. No restaurants open in the hotel. No food. Nothing. You have to go find somewhere downtown to eat. So it's a little bit interesting, and I'm excited. And we're actually um, doing the game from a uh, suite. We're not even in the press box is how they're handling it, putting us in a suite. So um, Cleveland, uh, the city of Cleveland, taking all kinds of precautions and uh, only going to allow 6,000 people. Uh, it's going to be a fun game. You know? I, you know, I'm not sure how good either team is, but I'm really excited. I, I said this earlier when I came on. I'm excited to watch Joe Burrow. I mean, I really think just, I mean, I've watched one game, watched, and that's all he's played. But just he has that ability and the way he played down the stretch, making big plays, making big throws. Um, it's it's uh, going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then on the other side, I was here two years ago on the Thursday night game when uh, Baker Mayfield came in for Tyrod Taylor and led them back to the like, first victory in 37 games or some crazy number at home, whatever it was. And the place was going wild. And if you remember back his rookie year, he was anointed as the guy, as the franchise quarterback. He was going to be one of the best young quarterbacks in this league, and they were going to take off. They were putting weapons around him and everything else. 
It does not work. And you listen to talk radio and the paper. Um, I was on, I did an interview yesterday and the question was asked, is Baker Mayfield the right guy? And I read an article today saying, could they replace Baker Mayfield with Case Keenum? <laughs> I mean, it is, I mean, it is crazy up here. So I'm, I think it'll be fascinating to see how Baker Mayfield responds. And my guess what is, if there were 60,000 fans, if it was that capacity and it did not go well, I think they'd hear a lot of booze. Yeah, the, the dog pen never really hides their feelings. I'll say that no. uh, for sure. Uh, not at all. But yeah, Bur- Burrow had the drive, had the touchdown called back, and then they missed the field goal to lose last week. So, you know, watching him on tape, you know, it's I know it's one game in. You can't really compare for, for guys passed after one game. But he has some of those characteristics, like the fourth quarter stuff. Is it's hard to find that in guys, uh, Logs? Well, and they and they well, go ahead, Logs. I'll leave you. Go ahead. Tony, go ahead. Okay, I guess I'll go. Um, yeah, and they trust him, JP. <laughs> you know, they uh, Cleveland ran seven snaps of five wide receivers on the field. Five wide receivers, five linemen, and Joe Burrow, and let him drop back and read it. Um, and, and so and you hear how the people talk about him in the locker room. A.J. Green said he's the dude, he's the man. Um, we trust him. I mean, so that's high praise for a guy who's only been there for a short time, no preseason or anything else. And I'll tell you, he missed. Well, one was dropped, I think, and he missed another uh, two two long touchdowns um, that would really change that game in the third quarter. So um, it's gonna be fun. It'll be fun to watch. Miles Garrett on the other side too, big contract, and um, he's a troublemaker. He really is on the field between the lines. He's a really good football player. Well, and and the Bengals' offensive line is has some issues. You know, you got the. Uh, Bobby Hart is the right tackle, struggled last week against um, against Joey Bosa. And I think Miles Garrett, who did not have a great game against the Ravens, is licking his chops um, for that matchup. So the, the challenge for the Bengals, are they going to be able to protect? Are they going to be able to block those guys up front? You know, they got Olivier Vernon and, and uh, Miles Garrett outside and Sheldon Richardson inside. So they have some talent on that side of the ball. And um, Joe Burrow might be running for his life by the <laughs> – by the end of the night. God, Tony, can, <laughs> can you imagine being a left tackle and you go from Joey Bosa to Miles Garrett from week to week? Oh, my gosh. Well, interesting, Jeff. It was the right tackle. So last week, Joey Bosa made almost all his rushes over the right tackle. Melvin Ingram was mainly over the left tackle. Joey had a couple. And if you watch against the Ravens, I think Miles Garrett took every snap at left defensive end because um, Olivia, Vern- Olivia Vernon was the right defensive end. Um, and that will work out nicely for Miles Garrett tonight because Bobby Hart is the right tackle. Uh, the, the left tackle is the kid from Alabama who sat out all last year after the first round pick, uh, Jonah Williams. Um, am I saying that right? Yeah, Jonah Williams, um, the Alabama kid. Uh, he's the left tackle. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa, not a great uh, back-to-back uh, matchups for the Bobby Hart. All right, guys, uh, that'll do it for Jags Happy Hour. Tony, have a great call tonight. We will see you at TIAA Bank Field Sunday for a road game for the Jaguars. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you then. That's going to be yeah, that's gonna be different, Logs. It'll be a new experience for us. Uh, this yeah, Sunday. it's going to be different, but uh, we're going to make it work. That's right. Looking forward to it. And it's going to sound it's going to sound great. Tony Baselli, we'll talk to you later. Jeff Lagerman and I will be right back in just a moment. 
The Doug Marone Show is coming up next. Thank you for listening and watching Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. <laughs>